first started my journey for coaching and I was thinking about really pursuing this as a career, my then coach, John, suggested that I contact Susan Knowles from the Australian Institute of Professional Coaches. Suzanne has become a resource, a friend, a very important part of my life. Susan is an educational, counselling, organisational psychologist. She's the chair and founder of the Australian Institute of Professional Coaches. With a PhD in management and three master's degrees in education psychology and business administration, she is focusing on assisting individuals achieve their personal and professional goals. Motivating teams to reach peak performance, supporting organisations to increase their employee engagement and retain talent to improve profitability. Susan has held teaching roles, teaching positions in universities, particularly in the University of Queensland Business School, Queensland University of Technology Business School, Griffith University. In addition, she has held senior executive positions in government and the private sector organisations and a board member on several governments, non-for-profit and professional service firms. Her executive coaching experience has been gained from 20 years as a consultant to national and international organisations. Susan's PhD thesis, which she completed at the University of Queensland, investigated how organisations develop and embed coaching culture for competitive advantage and cultural change. The Australian Institute of Professional Coaches was founded in 2011 by Suzanne. She developed the coaching courses following consultation with executive coaches and industry leaders. Her aim was to position coaching as a developmental process which promotes self-awareness and insight, leading to personal discoveries and ultimately growth. Over the years, these systems have been developed to facilitate student self-paced online learning combined with practical in-person and virtual workshops. AIPC staff are dedicated to supporting their students in the most interactive, engaging and meaningful way to develop their coaching skills and ability. Good afternoon, Suzanne. It's good to see you. And you too, Ian. How are you? It's been a while. We've had a couple of conversations, but it's been a good chance to be able to reacquaint and catch up and and hear how life is travelling for you. And also for you, since you've graduated from one of our coaching courses. Now, uh, Suzanne, what we're going to be sharing about today is is the I decided decision that you made towards starting the Australian Institute of uh, Professional Coaches and what drew you into that decision. So the first question I want to ask is, how did you get that first glimpse of inspiration to come up with the whole idea of the Australian Institute of Professional Coaches, and when did it move just from this thought that you had, well, gee, I'd love to do that, to where it actually became something that just consumed your attention? So I first had a glimmer of coaching when I was working in a consulting firm and doing some executive coaching with their senior team. And, you know, you could, you could see the lights turn on and you could see the progress they were making. Um, and then I started working at the middle management level of the same organisation. I saw a huge difference between what they knew about what was happening at the senior level and what, what was happening for them. They were basically left in the dark. They didn't have a clue because the senior management were looking upwards and looking at their career and they weren't actually um, managing down, as we would say, 
but they weren't actually doing any mentoring and coaching. So I started to concentrate on the middle management level as well as the executive level. And the progress they made was astonishing as well. So I thought there's something in this coaching that uh, I really love to take from just coaching one at a time to coaching many. And so that was the first glimmer I had. And I thought, well, when I finish my consulting career, I'm just going to go into coaching. It's interesting that you've mentioned there being focused on the middle level, which means both managing down and managing up. What do you th- what do you see as some of the key factors that makes it successful to coach in both directions? I think that the coaching approach is uh, applicable to any level in an organisation. I know it is. And it's a process, a very much personal process. And as you know, I'm a psychologist from way back and also an educator. So I was very interested in, in how people grew uh, personally, but also in their knowledge and awareness of an organisation and so how to support them in their career aspirations as well. So, yeah, it, it didn't differ. The, the approach didn't differ. I guess it probably did differ a little at the senior level because it was doing more of the strategic planning, those major decisions, to tossing them around the senior executive, whereas at the middle level of coaching, it was more operational decisions. It was more, you know, the things like or there was conflict in both of them and personality clashes in both levels. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some of the content changed that we were discussing from one level to another. So when you got this first idea and you, and you thought, yeah, I could actually take this to another level, I could do something with it, there is a potential business inside of this, who was the first person you shared the idea with and why did you share it with that person? Well, of course, I shared it with my husband, first of all, at that stage, and he said, yeah, go for it. Um, uh, he knew my passion for helping people succeed. I'd also made the acquaintance with a person who was running a coach training course in the local area. And he asked me to come and do some work for him. Now, he had a couple of coaching courses that he developed based on the research, which was basically Mr. Google research. And so I was then a bit askance at the quality of the courses. So I rewrote a couple of courses. And over the course of a year, we were supposed to become partners in the business, but that didn't eventuate. And I was quite discouraged by all of that. So that's when I decided I'll do it myself. And we separated. Uh, he took one course, he took business course, and I took life coaching. Because life coaching was all, life and executive were the rage at that stage. There was nothing else much around in terms of the audience to coach. And was, was that where you started to build the ingredients for the book that you've written now? It, no, that, that didn't happen until later on. So okay. the first thing that, that I did was I consulted with a lot of executive coaches I went through my LinkedIn profile and I contacted all of the executive coaches on that profile and also some of the the HRM managers and uh, my husband and I also tripped down Sydney and Melbourne and interviewed a lot of those coaches to find out what they thought was the important content to go into courses executive coaching in particular um, and just in coaching in general and as a result of that I wrote the courses uh, that we now have today except that today I started a PhD in 2015, you might remember. Yes. And as a result of doing the research into coaching for the PhD, I've now revised the courses, putting in a lot of that evidence, that research evidence for coaching as a legitimate uh, development process and also use that research as a basis for my two books. What, what was a chief piece of advice 
that you got originally when you started sharing these ideas that you've kind of looked back on many times and thought to yourself, gee, I'm glad I followed that advice. Because whenever we start a business, there's always the people who are giving us opinions. And, and I've, I've said to people, often opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got two of them and both of them stink. But there's, there's a difference between opinion and good advice. So what was that good piece of advice that you got that you've just held on to? I think the, the big piece of advice was to there's theory and there's practice. And sure, you can put a course together and it could be, you know, theoretically based and evidence-based and whatever, but it has to uh, it has to work when the rubber hits the road. When you go out there and you're in a practical situation with a coach and you're coaching, you have to be able to apply what you know and and to what and the process, the coaching process, to where they are and their situation and make it work for them. So that was the best piece of advice to make the course kind of generic but also specific and as a result of that what I did was I made a, a course with a sufficient content to give them the knowledge component as an educator I need them to have the knowledge but then also the practical steps that they would take when they go into a coaching scenario to make it work for that person. So when you're talking about coaching with people it's still you know it's it's quite commonly accepted nowadays and even over my time in these last seven years I've I've noticed coaching is more understood on the, from a business perspective. But if we talk about mentoring, counselling, coaching, what's the unique aspect of coaching that's so beneficial towards industry, towards executives, towards business? To answer your question, it's an ask, don't tell approach. So the essential aspect of coaching is to ask questions, ask powerful questions, ask questions to bring out self-awareness and insight in the client. So as opposed to, say, mentoring, mentors have a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom, and they can offer their mentees uh, suggestions, ideas for how to uh, promote in their job, for example. When you're in a coaching situation, the coach doesn't tell a client how to promote in their career. The coach would ask, what do you think you should do if you want to move into a management position? What's the first step you should take? When are you going to take that? So it's all about asking the what, when, where, how, and how much questions, not the why, because the why can often lead to things like, you know, denial, blame, justification, that sort of thing. So the coach's uh, first task is to find out about their situation and what they need from a coaching perspective. And you do that by asking open questions, powerful questions. What if you could be promoted tomorrow? Um, how would that be for you? What, how would your life change? Uh, what's your vision of where you're going to be in 10 years' time? All those sort of questions are coaching questions as opposed to a mentor who will, who will say, look, what I suggest you do is this. Uh, when people ask me what coaching is, I'll often share with them is like counselling helps you understand why you are where you are today by looking at your past Coaching helps you design a future that you'd like to find yourself in one day. And it's up to you then to, to come up with the ideas and then to make a plan for your life that you really want to live in and, the, and, and a place that you can take yourself to. What's your thoughts around that? Um, I agree. And I would add a couple of observations. One is that counselling is about therapy and treatment. Um, so and coaching is not at all. There's no therapeutic 
um, basis for it. You don't have to be a skilled clinician, a psychologist to coach. You can be an ordinary person and learn the coaching skills. Oh, secondly, um, coaching treats uh, people who are non-clinical. So there's no diagnosed mental aspect to their issue. They are just ordinary people getting on with life, uh, wanting to do even better with their life and just needing a helping hand, a sounding board, a guiding hand to help them take those next steps. I remember when I started with coaching, I was very passionate, but I was also very opinionated. And working with you uh, as, as my coach over the time that I was doing the, uh, the diplomas with the Australian Institute of Professional Coaches, one of the things that you taught me and was you emphasised uh, regularly to encourage me to be was more curious. Yes. And I, I'm forever grateful for that advice because I already know what I know. What I don't know is what they know. And it's, it's put me in good stead now to be really curious about other people, to get out of my script and get into their script, get into their story and understand what is driving them, what, what, the, what the passions are inside of them and help them release that. And my role is questions. And if I stay with that, it's a good coaching experience. If I stray from that, it's back into opinions. And, and they, those opinions that I have don't stick with people because it's not what they're passionate about. You haven't walked in their shoes. Yeah. There is no way that you can envisage their life how it has been and how they would want it to be. Yeah. And, you know, Ian, most of our students or a lot of our students come to us with that sort of a, you know, their own opinions about coaching and a lot of them are, I mean, we've got some very talented students. They're lawyers, they're accountants, um, they're HR people, they're organisation leaders, they're executives in organisations. They know a lot. And I say to them, don't put aside what you know because that's going to be where you're going to coach to. And you may actually use that when you're mentoring people but not coaching. It's all good. And so retain that knowledge, but just put it aside and park it at this point in time as you become a coach. So as, as you would know from your training, coaching is about parking your own thoughts. You might say, um, oh, I know what to tell that person. Um, they should just go and do that. That's a mentoring reaction response. It's not a coaching response. And it is, as you say, you want to engender self-awareness and insight in, in them. So it comes from deep down within them. And it's quite amazing when you can, as a coach, um, delve down and the client can delve down and get that aha moment that surfaces. And you know then, goodness me, I've done a good job. And out of that aha moment, you don't have to tell them what to do. They say, I know what to do. I should just go and ask so-and-so or I should just go and do this. And they go away and do it and say, look, I've had the best experience. I've done the most important thing. And they're in the driving seat. They have done it for themselves. What you're doing is building self-responsibility for the actions they're going to take and you're building their ability to have personal change and to promote their own personal change agenda. And there's a behavioural component in all of that. What you have to do as a coach is be very careful that you guide them to how they make those, their changes back in the real world because if for some reason the person they're living with, the person they're working with, doesn't agree with the changes, gets confused and frustrated with it, then they might get a setback. So you've got to be there for them on an ongoing basis with coaching, but not on a basis that they depend on you. It's got to be a, just a supporting basis, give me a ring if you get stuck, you know, 
And the issues can change in that time as well. You need at least three coaching sessions to get a behavioural change and then perhaps three more and three more. So we're not out to create dependency. We're not out to build our own network of people who keep coming back to us all the time because they have to. We want to build the client's self-responsibility to say, hey, Ian, I really need help you with this. I really need to help your help with this issue, this other issue now. So there's been hundreds of people now who have done diplomas with the Australian Institute of Professional Coaches and mm. there's been a life transformed in the coach themselves as they come and they they come to understand and study and learn and develop themselves. But what are some of the other stories that you've heard that have, that have been quite transformational? So what are some of the transformational stories that you've heard from people around clients that they've worked with and how their life, business, executive um, leadership levels have changed? Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. One is from a person who did our leadership coaching course. He was he had some experience in team leading, but not really at the next level of middle management, and he wanted to promote. And as he was going through the course, of course, he put the fact that he was doing a diploma of leadership coaching with us on his CV, and the next thing we know, he's got a job at a middle management level, even before he's finished his course, because they really wanted that coaching skill set within their HRM team. Another one is of a lady who's a, um, a daycare mum. So she was um, mining daycare children. And as she went through the course, she realised that daycare mum's fine, but there are other daycare mums out there who are having the similar issues to her. So what she did was she set up uh, a business coaching other daycare providers and, and helped them to make sure that A, that the children were picked up on time, um, B, you know, they, they had the right sort of gear and equipment that they needed or whatever the issue was. So she was busy not only doing her own daycare mummy but also coaching other daycare mums so they had a better life as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's terrific. So what's one of the biggest challenges you, that you've faced uh, over the time the Institute has been alive and, and going? And why, why are you glad it, it didn't stop you? And why kind of you, instead of going around it and avoiding it, you went through it? Uh, what's, what's one of the biggest challenges you've had to face? Well, Ian, as you know, life throws challenges at you all the time. And they're not challenges that you look for or that you hope for or that you wish for. So over the last 10, now 11 years, um, halfway through that process, my husband was diagnosed uh, with stage four brain cancer. And within six months of being in nursing homes and whatever, he died. That period was the worst period in my life for quite a number of years. And at that stage, I was trying to keep up with the students that we had, but I didn't have, and I had a series of uh, other staff coming in to help and support me but it was never quite gelling, you know. And it was only at the end of that period that a, a friend, a neighbour, who actually knew our family, came along and said, look, perhaps I can help you. And he had the skill set in sales and marketing, which is what we needed. And he picked up the daily operations as well when I couldn't. Um, so if it wasn't for him, Joel, my business partner, then coming in and offering to help at that stage and picking up the business, uh, it, may, it may have fallen over and failed. So that's the biggest challenge. There are other, other challenges like, you know, we've had myself ill and uh, we've had COVID and 
Now we've got ICF doing some reaccreditation re of these courses and changing their approval processes. All those things uh, come from, well, two of them are externally imposed. And yeah, there's, there's challenges around those and there's lessons that we've learned. One of the other people I had the opportunity to, to do an interview with, I asked them, does it ever get any easier? Well, they asked me, sorry, does it ever get any easier? And what I shared with them, no, it doesn't get any easier over time. You just get better. You just get stronger. You get yeah. more determined when it's a passion in your heart to, to see this Absolutely. become a reality. Absolutely. So, you know, I can see the smile on people's faces when you go to the workshops. Um, and we have three-day workshops, as you know, which have now turned virtual thanks okay. to COVID. Um, but even through the virtual uh, Zoom um, work workshops that we do, you can see the minds ticking over. And it is, as you say, it's a personal change process as well as a skill set that our students develop that they can use and build on either in their organisational role or in their own business. But that personal change, it's as you say, oh, I don't know it. I need to be curious. I need to help the client discover for themselves. That's a real eye-opener and it helps them in their own life in terms of how they communicate with their loved ones, um, the relationships they build and how they step away from conflict and start to look at what's, up, what's beneath that conflict. Why is it that he, he and she and I don't get along? And so they're not looking to blame the other person for being a terrible person. They're looking at how can we solve this? What's going on here? And doing a coaching approach to other people in their life. And that enriches their life and gives them better understanding of, of other people and the effect that maybe their behaviour is having on them which perhaps they want to change. So where are you up to now, uh, Suzanne? Uh, are you, what's the transition? What's the ch change that's happened with the, with the Australian Institute of Professional Coaches? What's your role there now? What do you see in this immediate future? And what's, what's this season of life you're in now? Lots of questions, Ian. Um, my role is now, Phil um, took over the operations of the firm a couple of years ago. Um, from a business perspective, I was hospitalised. I was out of, out of action for six weeks. Somebody had to take over the financial arrangements and pay, pay staff, basically. So it's a really important thing to do. And I realised in that time, in that first week of my illness and hospitalisation, that um, I need to teach Joel how to do all that. because And so now what we do, we always have two people knowing how to do the same role. Um, I've stepped back into courses and the educator role and Joel has taken over operations and sales and marketing. In my educator role, I look after the education team. I meet with them every month. I make sure that we're on the same track. They understand any course changes. They understand any requirements from the International Coping Federation uh, have to, to make sure that it's all done to ensure that we keep our course approvals and the quality of the courses that we, that we present. Um, you would know that we have a positive psychology approach to coaching, which is different from, I think, any other organisation in Australia and probably even um, worldwide. Um, I was um, invited to join John Jonathan Passmore. You may know him. He's in the UK, head of business, Henley Business School, and uh, he's looking to do a podcast with me too about positive psychology coaching based on my book. So... Um, my future, in the future, what I'd like to do is I'd like to promote the book a little bit more. Um, and first of all, I self-published the two books as I was doing my PhD. 
The first is on positive psychology coaching. The second is transforming organisational culture through coaching. So even though I think you said before that organisations are more aware of coaching now, they're not as aware as I would like them to be. So that's a passion of mine in the future, how to get from one to many. And the one to many is going into organisations either as a leadership coach and I've just uh, last year written a team coaching course based on my research as well. Team coaching is huge. Um, and it's a mixture of my consulting expertise and knowledge as well as my coaching expertise because you have to address the systemic part of organisations and what's going wrong there uh, before you can start to addressing the issues within the team. So I'd like to get the books promoted more and more recently Springer as an academic publishing company has picked up um, my research and I have rewritten the books into a research mode and I'm hoping that they can be picked up within the university sector. So, for example, within the undergraduate course in psychology and within an MBA course for the transforming organisational culture. Now, of course, Springer is worldwide. They're in different languages. So I'm just hoping it's a ripple on the pond that will go out and, and um, take the message about positive psychology uh, as opposed to, you know, there's neuroscience in America. That seems to be their, most, uh, their biggest focus. So, yes, it's good, and yes, there's a lot of research about neuropsychology. There's a lot of research about positive psychology, and as a psychologist, I'm, that's where I'm focused on. I mean, I truly appreciate and uh, everything that you've done for me over the years, advice and the little bits of guidance and, and then the intensity of when we had coaching throughout, throughout the coaching courses, uh, the three courses. So... I really wish you all the very best with those books because I've read your book. Uh, I loved it, absolutely loved it, and would strongly suggest it to anybody who's even considering coaching. And also the Institute is, is a wonderful place to, to be able to do your study and learning, uh, very supportive and encouraging. And I'll tell you what you need to hear. Uh, they, don't, they don't sugarcoat it, uh, but they're also very gentle in, in the sense of keeping you on the right track as well. So there's that good mixture of discipline and encouragement. It's absolutely needed in, in the training process. So Thank you very much, Ian, for your support over the years as well. Um, you've been a, a stalwart there and uh, you've recommended some people to us and we appreciate that as well. And uh, it's, it's glad, it's, I'm very glad to hear how you're using your coaching skills, building your business bigger, brighter, better with all of that. So, Suzanne, one day your life is going to be reduced to a sentence. It's going to be reduced to a paragraph. It'll just be a plaque somewhere or, or just even someone will say, oh, I knew Susan Knowles and this is what I would say about her. What would you like that person to be saying? Well, I think the first part of it, what I would, would say would be never give up on your dream if it's a passion and it's your passion. Keep walk, working towards it. Everything you do, if you've got that passion in your mind, your mind and your activities are going to take you in that direction anyway. It's like, as I said, in the, of course, if you think about a red car, you're going to see red cars everywhere. So I think about coaching and I think about how can we get the message of coaching out into the general public eh, in, and into organisations. So I think we're succeeding on the first counter and I think we're knocking on the door of really good enlightenment within organisations so that Leaders adopt a coaching leadership style and that workers feel um, great about coming to work. They feel satisfied. They feel motivated. They feel like they're supported. That's what I'd like to, to see 
um, the second part of never give up on your dream is that you might take a bit more patience than you thought and take a bit longer than you ever thought. Um, but if it's worthwhile, it will lead you in that direction and come about hopefully in the end. And if it's not through my lifetime, it'll be in the lifetime of people such as yourself and the other students that we train. Well, you've certainly left a great legacy from your passion and your desire to see people coached and coached well and to see people find the dream that's inside of them and see it released. So uh, congratulations on that so far. And we'll distill all what you've mentioned that down into down into a paragraph one day, <laughs> but uh, it, it will be a, a, a glorious a glorious <laughs> reflection of a life well lived. So um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you again. Thanks for being part of our I Decided series. I look forward to uh, catching up again with you one day when I'm in sunny Queensland. And vice versa. Thank you very much, Ian. All the best to you and Don. Thanks. At the end of last year, I did a recording with Alan Nabow. Uh, several years ago, Alan sailed around the world solo. It's a very long interview we did together. It was about two hours long. And over the next couple of months, what I'm going to be doing is formulating the ingredients from that conversation into two podcasts. So I look forward to you joining us next time to hear the, the story of Alan Nabow, who sailed single-handedly around the world, how that came together and how it became an absolutely amazing adventure and amazing story. So keep listening, and uh, I look forward to joining you next month with The Man Who Sailed Around the World. Thank you.